Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to the Man in the Post weekend review season. It is now the beginning of the 2021-2022 season and we are back. Who is we, you may ask? It is the returning David Black and Simon O'Regan. How are we, chaps? Not too bad, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well, very well. I'm glad the season's back. We were just briefly talking off air. How, how nice to have fans back. It feels like real football again. It does. It feels like we're on the first steps to recovery. Um, I mean, obviously we're not out of the woods yet, but getting fans back and getting football back to normal, even having four or five games on a weekend instead of all ten feels feels right, doesn't it? So um, hopefully, yeah, step, no, step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. The the what you mentioned about the not having every game on TV, and I know some people loved having every game having access, and we didn't have to watch all, but it just feels a bit too much because you feel because it's on that you should watch it. Well, especially when we're doing our show and things like that, it feels like we should try and watch as much of it as we can. But um, I think, um, obviously, we, we can now do this every, at the same time every week without having to think, well, you know, we're going to miss out on, you know, Burnley versus, I don't know, Brighton if we if we, do, if we record this on Monday morning instead. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm pleased we don't have to suffer through all ten fixtures because there's a reason why there's only four or five televised in the weekend, as we found out. Some of them are not worthy of television. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So going forward, as Dave says, we're going to record it at the same time every week. So it'll be in your ears, hopefully. Um, so long as no nothing goes wrong. Every Monday morning, it'll be out as a podcast. Um, slightly changed. Apart from this week, we're going to obviously because it's the first week of the season, we're going to go through all all games and just briefly talk about them. But I think going forward, we'll probably won't go into detail as much on some of the games, especially in the non televised ones, because really we're blacking it as we go along. Um, <laughs> but chaps. To celebrate the start of the Premier League and a new segment I'm going to start, which is David versus Simon. So I thought, little quiz, five questions each. So we'll start with a Premier League one, just just nice nice topic, nice coincidence. So I'm going to make Dave go first. Okay. And I'll just alternate questions and obviously point for the winner and if no, no points if it's the draw. So Dave, first question mm. for yourself. Which player scored the fastest hat-trick in the Premier League? Uh, it's, it's got to be Sadio Mane they made a mug from <laughs> very correct 1-0 Dave Simon yeah which player with 653 games has made the most Premier League appearances oh uh, Gareth Barry 1-0 Dave you're, it's got to be tough on you this one three oh, players share the record for the most Premier League red cards who are they I tell you what, if you can get two of them, I'll give you the point, because three of three is about half. Most Premier League red cards, I mean, Richard Dunn, he was clumsy. I see more on goals. That's one. Oh, good, good. 
Um, uh, I feel like it's get one name. That's all. I feel like it should be really obvious. Like, um, I'm going to go with Patrick Vieira because I feel like he got sent off a lot for Arsenal. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You go go for the third one. Just oh god. Um, let's say Thomas Gravison because you know angry bald man. Yeah. You got the angry man right. Ferguson. <laughs> oh, oh, right. I wouldn't. I didn't have him down as a, you know, I knew he went to prison, obviously, with a headbutting a man, but I would, I didn't, for some reason, for some reason, didn't think that transferred into red cards, but in hindsight, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, didn't, didn't he do that on the pitch as well? Probably. Fair point. <laughs> well, Simon, maybe the easiest question of them all. With 260 goals, who is the Premier League's all-time top goal scorer? <laughs> Alan Shearer. Yeah, I don't know who would have been any easier for that one. Uh, Dave, when was the inaugural Premier League season? Uh, 92-93. That's correct. Simon, which team won the first Premier League title? Uh, Man United. Correct. With 202 clean sheets, Dave, which goalkeeper has the best record in the Premier League? 202 clean sheets. Uh, I mean, longevity says it should be David James. I'm going to go with, you know, Petr Cech, who was the more logical option. So, yeah, let's go Petr Cech. Cech's correct. I, I don't think I would have got that one. Um, Simon, how many clubs competed in the first Premier League season? Uh, 24. 22. Hit the ah, post. no. At the post. Dave, to win it then, which three players shared the Premier League Golden Boot in 1819? Um, this is for the win, I need all three. I want to say Yang, Salah and Mane. It was. Yeah. Dave for the win. Well done. Just, Thank just, you. Just, just out of curiosity, Simon. The fastest goal in Premier League history came in 7.69 seconds. Who scored it? Uh, I think that was Shane Long. It was. 5-4. 1-0 Dave in the series. Oh, that was intense. What a, I mean, let's just start every match with a penalty shootout and give, team, <laughs> give a team like a, an advantage going into it. By the way, talking point here. Mm. Penalty shootout and then whoever wins the penalty shootout starts with a 1-0 win. Starts with a 1-0 in the 90 minutes. I'm all for it. Make it happen. Oh, man. We've just spawned that idea here and now. I mean, that's... It's pretty left field. It is, but I mean, imagine the... I mean... Arsenal might have a chance not to be mid-table. I mean, you're saying there that you're expecting Arsenal to win a penalty shootout. I think, honestly, if Arsenal had a penalty shootout tomorrow, all five players would miss the target. (laughs) No, no, two. You have two half-decent players. The other nine, useless. Well, yes, true. Well, on that on that note, let's just start there. Friday night, the Premier League began. Newcomers Brentford at home to um, relegation survivors last season, Arsenal. Um, but I know we joke, but Arsenal looked abysmal in this game, Dave, didn't they? <laughs> they did. Um, I would like to have seen a different... Well, I would like to see what would have happened if Aubameyang, or like I said, or both of them had been available, because without them, Arsenal were, were toothless. And I know... You know, that doesn't mask the problems they've got in other areas of the field, but um, they, they made a, a, a number of chances or a number of decent positions which they, they didn't take. But I think you know, we're getting away from the point that with Brentford were, 
were very good on the on the the Premier League debut and uh, fundamentally deserved the win on the night. They were they were brilliant. Yeah, I had a, a Brentford fan on in the, the pre-season reviews I was doing earlier on today. Um, so obviously after the game had played, but uh, just just hearing them talk about you know the analytics side of them and they seem to have really done their you know their job really well and you can't fault they, they were almost perfect in this game, Ah, uh, they were brilliant. Um, to be fair, like. I I disagree that in terms of Zan Arsenal made uh, a few sort of chances. I don't really remember too much apart from Smith Rowe. I think had a decent running shot. But um Brentford just caused them so many problems. Tony and is it um Bremo, is it up front? Yeah. yeah. Um they absolutely ran ragged Arsenal all night long. Um I mean Ben White, fifty million pounds for a defender, he can't head the ball. <laughs> classic Arsenal signing, isn't it? Um uh, they were so poor, uh, but Brentford, as good as Brentford were, Arsenal were as equally as bad as I thought. Yeah, I think I think the Ben White deal is going to get a lot of talk about, and, and look, rightly so for the price. But is he better than what Arsenal had? One hundred percent. Will it will it turn out to be a good deal? I mean, that time will tell. But unfortunately, you're just paying that English tax on think- defenders. I think it can't be overstated that at Brighton he played in a, in a three yeah. uh, an awful lot. And as you say, it's not, it's not the biggest, it's not the most imposing centre-half. And I think in a three you can get away with that, but in a two, especially in, against what was essentially a 4-4-2 from Brentford, it was you know, pretty much man-for-man, man, like you say, physically he wasn't up to it. Um, but he looked, there was one point where Zambuemo had the ball in the box, and he didn't even do like any sort of outrageous piece of skill. He just literally dropped a shoulder, and White was off for a hot dog, and it was like, <laughs> it was like so amateurish. Um, he's better than that, I think, but it wasn't a great start from. Yeah, not not ideal. I mean, to be fair, I, don't want, I hate to agree with Jamie Carragher too much, but he said it on commentary. I think Smith Rowe and Tierney are really the only two players who can really come out that performance with their heads head high. Like Arsenal were just. Just so pathetic. Like, I don't know. Like Arteta, this is what he's a year and a half in already. So he's second, obviously, full season. But they still don't have an identity. I feel. Yeah, I mean, you sort of you look at them. And you, you're trying to work out what what is it? Yeah, that they're trying to do. I mean, they have they have a lot of possession, but they just don't seem to do anything with it. And. I mean, you can say, obviously, Aubameyang and Lacazette weren't playing, but, I mean, Aubameyang especially didn't really pull up many trees last season once he got his big contract. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not not really sure where they're meant to be going at the moment. So, I mean, even not the, the Ben White signing, that, I mean, obviously, Arsenal don't have great centre-backs, but that didn't seem like the biggest priority position for me. You know, I think they, I mean, they needed what we've said, probably they need for the last 20 years. They need someone who can win the ball in midfield. I mean, how, how Granit Xhaka has all of a sudden come back into favour is absolutely beyond me because he's, he's just a walking yellow card every game, isn't he? And I mean, I think as well, the fact that Callum Chambers started that game at right back, that tells you everything you need to know about the level they're operating on now because I, I was amazed that he was still at the club and he's starting their first game of the season. It's just... Uh, it's it can't be good to be an Arsenal fan right now. It can't be good to be an Arsenal fan any time, I'm guessing. <laughs> but 
Yeah, like, let's not take away from, from Brentford. As you said, Dave, they, they were phenomenal. First game back. Um, just just quickly, since we didn't really do a, a proper like kind of preview for the whole season, where for both teams, each of you, give me your prediction. Where do you think they will finish? If I'm being, if I'm being honest, um, I had Brentford pegged as relegation, um, nailed on. Uh, I've said this on a few different things I've been on over the last few weeks, and never known such a clamour for the, the club that won the playoffs to do so well. Um, you know, strictly speaking, obviously they'll be the weakest team coming up, um, and I didn't really see them doing an awful lot. Now it's only one game. We've seen promoted teams get off to a flyer before and then all of a sudden fall away I haven't seen them on, on a Friday um, they've obviously got quite a bit about them now unless teams figure them out and maybe Arsenal are a bad example because as you just said they're a bit of a disaster um, they didn't look like a side who would get relegated but like I say it's one game so if I'm being totally honest I had them pegged as a, as a, as a relegation certainty uh, if I <laughs> In the, with the benefit of hindsight, they're going to be very, very competitive. Um, whether that's you know 17th, 16th, or whether they do anything better, I'm not sure. But um, they're not as nailed on as I, as I perhaps thought they were. So what 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 number are you going for with them? I'm going to say 17th. I haven't really thought about it beyond that, but I, I, <laughs> but I, I think they've got enough about them to stay up. And Arsenal for you. Uh, I think they'll be around that 8th, ninth place again. Um, they're clearly better than what they were on Friday, I think. Um, they finished last season fairly well. It's just there's no consistency there. Um, so they've got a ming in the next couple of games as well. So <laughs> they, they may well be propping up the table <laughs> at the end of August, which would be funny. But um, that squad of players is not, you know, bottom five or six, I don't think. Brentford and 17th. I'm tracking this professionally. <laughs> Uh, eight for ninth for Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, let's say eight just for you know completeness. Let's see how many times you can duplicate a number. I know. <laughs> hey, Simon, for yourself. Uh, yeah, pretty similar to be honest. Um, before the season started, I I kind of thought Brentford seventeenth. I think they'll have some really bad days, but they've sort of they've been very close the last few years now of, of being promoted and. I think they'll uh, I think they'll give quite a few teams a good game, so I'll go seventeenth for them. For Arsenal, God knows. Um I think I'm gonna go ninth for them. I, I just think they're gonna have a really nothing season yet again. But and I'll I'll be surprised if Arteta is still manager come the end of the season. Yeah, I think he's my manager to be sacked first as well. I am actually gonna go slightly more optimistic for Brentford. I feel they're gonna have a slight Sheffield United type season where like they're a bit of the unknowns as such so I've got them in 13th um, and I've got Arsenal in 9th as well um, and I think that's I genuinely believe that's pushing to the best that they can hope for I just I think they're going to get as you say Arteta's going to leave or be sacked um, very very quickly and it'll all depend on who they bring in um, we'll move on to the Saturday game and the early kickoff was Man United 5 Leeds 1 now, up until the first goal, the Leeds goalkeeper looked incredible. He was off his line, he was sharp. After that, Ross was telling me how good this goalkeeper was. And if anybody watched him just on this game alone, oh why? <laughs> I think it's a, bit, it's a bit harsh. I mean, he, he had 
very little protection in that second half in particular. Um, and it was a bit like shooting fish in a barrel for Man United, who just kept, you know, threading these through balls through against defenders who were clearly outpaced by, by younger and quicker opponents. So, so um, I, I'm not laying an awful lot of blame at the goalkeeper's door. I know he got like a foot on the first one, which, you know, on another day it just ricochets in the opposite direction, stays out. But you know, it's, fundamentally, it's a one-on-one with Bruno Fernandez who hit it well, and you know, he can only do so much. Um, this is what happens to Leeds when Calvin Phillips doesn't play, especially against you know good teams who are capable of this sort of thing. Um, we said this last season, the difference with and without him is is incredible. Um, I know they've moved to buy was it a Chelsea youngster who was potentially in the Phillips mould to to replace him. I presume he isn't ready yet because he was obviously wasn't on the pitch for this. Um, obviously, if he'd played, I'm not saying it would be a different score, but it might have been a bit closer um, because. Time and time again, Leeds were trying to play out and, you know, whatever else, and just get the possession got overturned. And all of a sudden, say one ball from Pogba seemed to land them in all sorts of bother. And that was that was pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, Simon, I mean, Man United looked like the team who finished second last year because I still can't work out how they managed to <laughs> last season. But this was a completely different Man United. Yeah, I mean, it's... In a way, you, I kind of feel like it's, it's hard to judge were they great just because of how ridiculously open Leeds were. I, I'm not sure many teams will go to Old Trafford and sort of set up like that. But um, to be fair, like when when they were attacking, they really went for it, didn't they? I mean, some of the some of the goals as well, the quality of them. I mean, the pass from Pogba to Fernandez for the first one was great. I thought the one for Greenwood's goal. I mean, that was just outrageous. Um, and they just, they were quite relentless as well, weren't they? I mean, once they got 2 1 up, they saw it was sort of like the Man United way back in the day where they just kept going and going and going. Um, but as I say, they, they were helped out by the fact that Leeds just seemed to have absolutely no interest whatsoever in trying to defend or, <laughs> or protect their defence. Um, so yeah, I mean, an impressive start. But, you know, the game last season, Old Trafford, I think was 6 2. Yeah, um, and to be fair, in the first half as well, what leads? I, I remember them having like any real clear cut chances, but they certainly got themselves into quite a few decent positions um, in the first half. And you know, they once they equalised, you, you sort of thought for well a minute, this you know, this could be quite an interesting game now. But uh, yeah, within five ten minutes, that that was pretty much done and dusted, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean the one positive day for Leeds is the Luke Ealing goal. That was some strike. It was. It was an incredible strike. I don't think he scored at all last season, um, and then scored in the first game of the season. But yeah, he won't get many better than that. It was a very sweet strike. I think Ross nearly lost his uh, lost his mind <laughs> in, in the group chat. So. Yeah, he lost it. I mean, one one player to talk about in, in particular, obviously, is Pogba. Four assists. Um, I'd say Fernandez, but I mean we we know we we expect that from Fernandez now. But Pogba's always been a bit, you know, hot and cold. Um, do we think we could finally see the real Pogba? Or do you think it'll be almost something similar again this season? I mean, if he if he does this for the next sort of five, six, seven, eight games, then maybe we can start saying that. But there's been so many times where every now and then he'll throw in an absolute worldy performance. And then it'll just go missing for a couple of weeks. So I think uh, Jory's still out on that one for me. Yeah, consistency's been his, his issue. But 
you know, you'd love to see him put on a game like a show like this in a game against a Chelsea or yeah. you know, a match where it's gonna decide something really important rather than the open game of the season when you know, to be fair everyone a lot of the home teams have come out firing because they've got fans back and it's you know, it's obviously a great occasion. Um I'd love to see him do it. Or A consistently and B, you know, in a really big game. I know he turned the Manchester Derby around a few years ago, but the title was already done, that kind of thing. Yeah. We, you know, we need a match where you know really, really matters um, to see if he's uh, if he's finally going to show his worth. Yeah, no, that's fair. Right, final standings for for you two then, uh, Dave for Man United. Um, I think they're going to be third, but I think it's going to be a lot closer between the top three, if not four. Um, and I've kind of flip-flopped on this, and it's purely because, of, I'm sure at all later on, two of those top three have seriously strengthened. Um, one of them's presumably going to strengthen even further, um, and another hasn't really done an awful lot. So, uh, as of today, I'm going for third for Man United. And Simon, United for yourself? Yeah, uh, very boringly, I'm copying Dave there. Third for me as well. Uh, fourth for me. Um, and... Who's going to play Leeds? <laughs> Leeds, Dave. Um, uh, it's very hard to judge. Obviously, you've only seen one game and they haven't been yeah. great. Um, I don't think they had the height of last season. I think they'll be maybe maybe twelfth. Not you know not a huge drop off, but uh, I, I think they haven't really got a very big squad again. And the way they play, they're bound to run into some injuries. So I'm going to go twelfth again. And Simon. I absolutely promise that me and Dave have not been <laughs> conferring before. <laughs> I had them in 12th as well for the exact same reasons. Well, they're, they're 11 for me, just to be just to be slightly different. <laughs> um, I mean, the thing is as well, obviously we've got a, a, what, two, three weeks left of the transfer window. So, yeah. I mean, they, you know, if they leads to go on both by four or five players and all of a sudden they look like a top eight side again. It's just there's no there's no real depth there, is there? No, I think that's their biggest thing. We said that to Ross. is like the first 11 can match anybody. Mm-hmm. The intensity they play at. We seen last year when they lost defenders, it became a real, real issue. Um, the second half of the season, the, the, their luck was much better with, with injuries, especially defensively. That and that's when they put on, you know, the, the really good run. Um, next up is your your favourite manager, Dave. Um, Burnley losing two one to Brighton. Yes, I enjoyed this very much. Um, <laughs> it's I know you you like Dash, but. It's worth noting that Burnley finished 17th last season, and in something like all but three of Premier League seasons in history, the team who finished 17th go down the following year. Um, now, I'm not saying right now that they're going to get relegated, but um, they haven't strengthened at all, really. They've brought, they've brought some more centre-backs, um, <laughs> even though they haven't sold their current centre-backs, so that's not really strengthened, it just means they've got a bit more depth. Um I saw them, they were trying to buy um, some sort of fancy foreign player, which is not like Burnley. Um, <laughs> so, so obviously trying to address those issues, but um, they're just really uninspiring as usual. I know that they, you know, they scored from a corner where Tarkovsky bundled a man over and headed it in and then hit the bar from another set piece. Aside from that, it's fairly, fairly bland from, uh, from Daisha's men. I am... Um, Obviously, hope they go down. It's got to be coming sooner or later. <laughs> uh, 
Brighton, on the other hand, you know, last season we we, we said Brighton time and time again played played well and didn't didn't score. They didn't seem to play well at all here until the last fifteen minutes when they scored twice. So maybe that's the future for them. <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, all the stats lined up again, Simon, for Brighton. As Dave said, like the, how they played last year, and obviously not not as not at their best this year, but nine shots on target, which is obviously that's again Brighton's <laughs> biggest issue. So many shots on target and not scoring enough goals, but sixty four percent possession again against a team like Burnley. They're always going to have a lot of possession, but I mean, what can we expect from Brighton going forward? Probably pretty much more of the same from last season, um, unless they go out and sign a striker that's going to get them goals. Um, you know, we said it so many times last year that they play good football, but they just can't stick it in the back of the net. And you know, from uh, what we saw yesterday, it seems to be a similar sort of story. Obviously, they did end up getting the win, but um, yeah, yeah, unless they get someone that's going to get them sort of between ten, thirteen goals a season. I suspect they'll probably stay up and it'll be in a fairly similar fashion to what it was last season. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think they're fairly safe. Right, Sam, I'm going to come to you first on this one so you can't cheat. Um, <laughs> where do you think Brighton are going to finish? Brighton, uh, I'll go, I'll go 15th. Okay, and Burnley? Uh, 16th. I think they'll stay up. Um, it won't be pretty, but Sean Dyche is there. They've got the two centre-backs in pipe, so they'll just about do enough, as they always seem to do. OK, and Dave, I'll come to Burnley for you first. Uh, well, I'm going, with, I'm going for relegation. I would have thought <laughs> more than expectations, so <laughs> I've got them as 18th. And then Brighton for you? Uh, 16th for Brighton. Well, it might surprise you to say, especially after your stat that you've you, I'm going Burnley in 19th. Mm-hmm. Purely because I don't believe Deitch will be there after Christmas. I think the the lack of backing, and I can just see, I think some club is just going to wake up and finally just take a chance on him. Um, and he's going to just move because he can't get treated any worse anywhere else uh, <laughs> from owners. Um, and I have Brighton in 10th. I think something's just going to click there and they're going to finish where we kind of, where they probably should have done last year mm. if they had a competent striker. They didn't even need a good one, just a competent <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have Chelsea, who obviously Lukaku, I don't think he even made the bench for this. I think I don't think he was, he was ready, but a 3 0 win at kind of newly pieced together Crystal Palace team. Yeah, uh, I mean, this was the least surprising result of the weekend. Like, yeah. Palace came to cling on for dear life and, and didn't even come close to doing it. And Chelsea won at a canter with half a team, as you say. Um, the Kaku was quarantining. Um, they could rest Havertz and they played, you know, Werner and uh, Trevor Shalabar, you know, this, this sort of thing. So um, they won very easily. Palace will learn absolutely nothing from this whatsoever because it won't be this bad every week. Um and Chelsea probably learn nothing from it either because it's it's not most of these players well not maybe not most but some of those players probably won't feature again for several months so yeah a waste afternoon for everybody involved <laughs> yeah I had Holly on who's a Crystal Palace fan earlier on again discussing this and it it, it Crystal Palace are never going to expect to beat Chelsea regardless of the season so it was almost an ideal first game for Crystal Palace Simon because it it was almost like a free hit if that made sense. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. But 
I mean, I'm not sure. I don't know who they've got coming up. It's Brentford now. Brentford next, yeah. You see, now, so then if they lose that, this, already you'll, there'll be some whispers about pressure on him. You know, when you think of what happened a few years ago when they tried to move away from their traditional sort of style to get De Boer in. I think he, he lost, what, the, the first four or five games and, and they got rid of him. So, I mean, obviously they were, they were never going to be expected to beat Chelsea, but you kind of, you can go, get under pressure very, very quickly. And especially the way what Palace has sort of had to do this summer with a lot of people leaving. Um, they're, they're the one team that are really sort of, Struggling to work out what's going to happen. I think it could all, it could either be something that will like click really nicely quite quickly and they could surprise a few people or it could be similar to the De Boer situation a few years ago and just be a complete disaster. Yeah, yeah that's completely fair. I mean, he re- I'm not sure what to make of him, Dave, uh, Vieira as manager. I don't think he's been too successful wherever he's been, but he really needs time. He does need time. I'm not sure he's going to get it, as, as I says. I mean, his um, his managerial record is, you know, average if you're being kind. Um, on reputation, yes, you know, very good player, very excellent player in his in his day. It's almost got the point though, where it was so long ago. I'm not really sure it's going to be that inspiring to players anymore. Um, it obviously hasn't worked at his previous clubs, and as as mentioned, you know, Palace had a huge overhaul in players, and the players they've brought in. You know, the centre center half, uh, is it Gouhey? I'm not sure how you say it, but the, the chap from Chelsea who was on loan at Swansea. Yeah. Um, unproven at Premier League level. Um, at least here from, from Redden, unproven at Premier League level. Um, they might be very good, also, they also might, also might not be. Um, I'm not convinced at all, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if, if someone like Sean Dyche ends up being the Crystal Palace manager before the end of the season. <laughs> That's my thinking. <laughs> um, on that note then as you say um, kind of the most predictable result of the weekend so numbers for the, the end of the season Dave Chelsea who's your prediction uh, as of now um, top I think they'll win the whole thing oh. um, now if Man City go out and buy Harry Kane tomorrow that might change and flip back over but right now um, I think Chelsea have got the full package not liking where your top four is going Dave you might as well just clip up oh, and repeat oh. exactly what Dave just said then I, I'm, I'm the same I think as it stands I'd have Chelsea winning the league but if a, if a certain someone makes a transfer up to Manchester in the next couple of weeks then, then I think that changes things but at the moment yeah I'd have Chelsea to win it well I have Chelsea in second whether or not um, Harry Kane joins Man City or not uh, they they don't move position for me, um, and Crystal Palace Simon. Oh, this as I say, this one I'm really struggling with. Uh, I'm gonna go. Have I got? I've already said someone for 17th, 16th, and 15th, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to tell. I want to see what you. God, I'll I'll have a, a leap of faith for them and, and say four teams, but I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll be pretty. This is because you've not planned ahead, you see. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's for you. 
Uh, I think I think I've got fifteen, but I can't remember. If I've just given Brighton fifteen, which whichever one Brighton isn't is what Palace will be. Brighton are sixteen. Palace, yeah. But that's entirely down to Wilfred Zaha and very little else. You know, if he leaves or they get or he gets injured, um, they are nagged. So yeah, uh, fifteen for me as well. Um, again, it's all going to depend on how quickly or how long they stick with Vieira for me. Um, I hope it works. Because, I don't know. I've got kind of got a soft spot for Palace. I really love their away fans. I just think they're fun to be in the ground. Um, next up, we have the Everton, who won three one at home to the Messi relegation threat Southampton. <laughs> um, but Rafa getting his first win, uh, starting with Charlison, which I was quite surprised at, um, and Calvert-Lewin with his token goal at the end to. Yeah, um, well, I totally agree on Richarlison. I can't believe he continues being the copper and the Olympics, and he's yeah. had about three days of training. Um, the Benitez Arno, you know, he um, he would have players on the bench for a month before they're ready to come back in the first team, but having said that, beggars can't be choosers. They haven't got an awful lot of options up there with um, Calvert-Lewin in, in pretty much the same situation, having been away all summer, so he obviously decided just to get, get on with it, but... A good comeback win. Um, I think the knives were out already for Benitez when they were getting beat at half-time. Off, as you say, fairly unfancied Southampton team. Um, but what I like and what I've always liked about Benitez is that he's got a plan and the plan is let's get the ball wide, let's get in the box and that's how we're going to score our goals. It's very simple but it's also very difficult to stop when you've got Calvert-Lewin and Andrew Charleston in there and you've got, again, Andros Townsend who is a bang average winger by today's standards but Ask him to deliver across in the box, and he will do it over and over again. So um, it's functional, and it's probably exactly what Everton need to be honest. Because they've kind of kind of overcomplicated things a little bit with the squad they had, which was full of you know he likes of Bernard and Awobi and all the and, you know Rodriguez people who are sort of wingers but not wingers. Um, and when you've got a big target man like Calvert Lewin, it didn't really didn't really work that well. So all of a sudden they've gone back to basics, and uh, it's bought them three goals. Yeah, I, I was I was really impressed with the the Townsend and Damari Gray signings for Everton. I mean, I know Everton fans probably aren't too excited by them, but as you say, Rafa's very specific, and both both guys I feel under Rafa will will just succeed. I just feel they'll be very they're, they're just Rafa type players. Yeah, that's exactly it, and. Uh... It's very, very similar to look at, isn't it? It was essentially a 4-4-2. You just had, you know, Decorey and, and Allen in, in the middle there. Yep. Got the two full-backs, the two wingers, and he said, right, let's get the ball wide, let's get it in the box. Yep, 100%. <laughs> I mean, Simon, Adam Armstrong getting his first goal um, since signing, but, I mean, did you see much from Southampton to feel that they can, especially, obviously, they're still talking about Ward-Prowse leaving before the window closes. I feel that would almost secure their fate, to be honest. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be very worried about them. Um, I kind of, I don't really understand what's going on there. Like, I was, I was chatting to a friend yesterday, and I was saying, like, do their owners have a bet on them winning the playoffs next season or something? Because <laughs> they they seem to have had a really odd window. I mean, selling Ings and Vestergaard, and if Ward Prowse goes, that's that's their like three best players gone without seemingly replacing them at all. Um, I've, I mean, obviously, good for Armstrong to get off the mark early, but I just, I, I worry for them this season. Um, when you think of how they, like the second half of last season, where they were really, really poor, 
Um, you know, as I say, losing those players, carrying that poor in the form from last season to this. Yeah, I, I'd be concerned if I was a Southampton fan. I, I don't see an awful lot in there. Yeah, I mean, Dave, Southampton, do you, do you feel they've got any chance for yourself? And then, yeah, give me your prediction for Southampton for the season. Yeah, I think um, losing Ings is a blow, but we expect it just not to Villa. Um, no disrespect to Villa, but, you know, one we spoke about and possibly going to, to Man City and Tottenham and... You know, <laughs> Um, it's a great get for Villa, in my opinion. I think it's you know it's a, it's a brilliant signing. Um, Adam Armstrong, he's he's a championship level striker. He's never really you know had the chance to prove himself at Premier League level. He might well do, but I wouldn't. People look at him scoring this weekend and go, well, you know, he's going to be absolutely fine. It's not going to be every weekend where Michael King gets caught on possession twenty yards from goal and he gets given a one-on-one of that, you know, <laughs> that that much clarity. It'd be lovely if that happened every week, but it, it just won't. So um, the jury's still out on how good he's going to be. Um, I think I put this in the, in the WhatsApp group earlier in the week, but like it's it's all the classic signs of a team is going to get relegated. You know, like mm. even you mentioned the, the, the players who've gone, Ryan Bertrand as well. He's he's gone oh, for, yeah. for, for nothing to to Leicester. Um, it's not like he's gone to like a lower level club he's gone to a top six club <laughs> it's just like <laughs> how have you let this happen um, we spoke lots of times about the crack showing in their team losing 9-0 things like that um, it doesn't happen to to normal clubs <laughs> um, or at least it shouldn't do uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they got relegated so I've predicted them to go down um, I think quite often you see clubs Getting this rut towards the end of the season and then they struggle to get out of it. Um, if they get off to a bad start, I think Hasselhoff will be binned before long, even though they've invested a lot in them. Um, as you say, I'd love to know what's going on with the owners. Like, have they, have they just checked out? Are they just, you know, trying to sell or something? Like that? I don't know. It, it seems like a, a total backward step what they're taking this summer, and I think they may well go down. Uh, what position? Uh, I'll put 19th, because I can't remember where I said Burnley, but those, those two will be 18th and 19th, in my view. Um, 18th, 19th, so 19th, 20th, and 21st. Yeah. Uh, Southampton, 18th. I think they'll go. Okay, and Everton, Simon? Uh, I'm just looking, so I've just written up a table now, so Everton. Uh, Everton. <laughs> yeah. I I think tenth. I I just think there's this. Yeah, I think there's. Um, I, I don't think obviously the fans were over the key with Benitez, and I just look at the squads and it's miss massive. Uh, you know, previous managers' squads and you know the signings obviously Townsend and Gray. Yeah, they you know they're decent enough players, but they're very mid table to me. I don't think they're the type of players that are gonna push Everton on to where they want to be. I mean, and they're just weird. They've got some good players but they just seem to constantly shoot themselves in the foot all the time. So yeah, I've got to go tenth. Uh Dave. Uh I'm gonna go ninth for Everton. Um I obviously like Hobby does well but the squad is um and they've got other issues which we probably shouldn't talk about but um, <laughs> yeah, leave that one I think as long as he's given time o- over a few seasons that they can be you know fighting for those European places I think ninth will, will do them for this year yeah I've got I've got them in eight I just not because they are 
not because they're the eighth best team. I don't mean it like that. I just I feel like teams who would likely push them, like the the Arsenal's of the world, are just not going to be there. Um, so yeah, so solid eighth. Um, on to FA Cup Community Shield winning Leicester City, a one 0 home win um, against Wolves. I never seen this, but I've heard it's a, a cheeky little flick, Dave. Um, it's just standard Jamie Vardy goal where you think he's got absolutely no chance of scoring from where he does score from, but just like a flash near post cross and he just gets in front of Cody and just swings a boot at it and goes in the opposite corner. It's uh, he's probably scored ten to fifteen of those in the last couple of years. It's um, it's it's an art really getting in front of the front defender. Like it's it's really a good a sign of a good striker. Obviously, we know what Vardy's all about. I think a few people had written him off because they signed Dagger from Salzburg who. Um, presumably the, the succession plan to Jamie Vardy but I think we'll see a lot of him in the Europa League and uh, and if Vardy's still capable of doing this at Premier League level then why stop him? Yeah uh, the three competent strikers now Simon and for, for years we said obviously they relied so much on Vardy but now Vardy, Dakar and obviously if any actual, any actual can um, continue his form from last season um, Brendan Rodgers has got a, a headache there Yeah I mean to be fair they, they, the last couple of years, they've done really, really well. You know, they've got a great squad. It's only, I don't know how they managed to cock it up two years in a row. And, and <laughs> you know, Vardy, as, as uh, Dave said, the lovely little goal. I mean, this, you know, I, it wouldn't be surprised if he got 15 goals this season because he's that type of player. Ian Acho did really well back at the end of last season. So, you know, they've got a bit of firepower. And as you say, I mean, this lad who's come in, I don't really know much about him. But even if he can sort of contribute uh, close to double figures, it gives him the option to sort of rest Vardy a bit more, which could help prolong his career another year or two. But not that he looks like he needs too much rest at the moment because he's, uh, he's still as sharp as ever. Yeah, and, and Wills, Dave, I mean, new manager, but... Kind of same result from the season before, but stats-wise, um, again, I haven't seen the game, but I mean, they had a decent amount of chances, just not been able to take them. Yeah, it's I mean, again with Wolves, you, you look at them and go, "This is stereotypical, like club who's going to get relegated type form, where the appointed manager that you know hasn't been in the Premier League before." Um, I don't know if you, you know much an awful lot about them, but no. certainly wasn't on my radar. Obviously, saw their goalkeeper <laughs> who, who's been pretty impressive for a few seasons and replaced him with you know another goalkeeper, which I don't know an awful lot about. Um, Jimenez is obviously the the key factor here. If he hits the form, he, he, we know he's capable of. Um, they'll be absolutely fine. But if he doesn't, and he you know he has a, an adverse reaction to what he's been through, then that's a worry for them because they've got no one else really. I know they've got young Fabio Silva, but he's he's like 18 or 19, and as we saw last season, it's an awful lot of, to ask of him to uh, to lead the line every week against you know fairly brutish defenders. So. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a funny one for Wolves. I mean, obviously Neto and Podence are, are good flair players, but I think they're both injured at the moment. And it's, I'd like to see what their squad looks like at the end of the window, because at the minute they look a bit light. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, Simon, where do you think Leicester's going to finish? Uh, I've got them down for fifth again. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I just, I think they've just got such a, a good squad of players that I think. They'll they'll really now kick themselves having messed up the last two years because I've just seen the top four ahead of them now. 
have strengthened quite a bit. They look a lot better than they did last year. So I think they'll be fifth, but I don't think they'll be as in the mix for a top four spot as they have been for the last couple of years. Yeah, Dave Lester. Yeah, I've got them as fifth. Um, they've got a a really good squad as well before, but um, I think fundamentally the top four <coughs> have strengthened um, or are just better than them generally. Um, so yeah, I've got them as fifth. Um, hopefully they have a good Europa League run because I, I like what they're doing with it with the squad, but it's they're not going to get the top four this year, I don't think. Yeah, six, six for me. I think they've, as you say, both alluded to, they've, they've missed their chance to almost secure themselves as a top four team. I feel if they had got in once, they would have got in the second time, and then that obviously that money, the Champions League money. I, I just feel they've, they've just missed their chance. I think, as you say, especially obviously the Chelsea, United, and City have all strengthened. Liverpool won't have the season they had last year injury or shouldn't have the season they had last year injury wise. Um, strengthened a little bit obviously but yeah I think they've just missed out uh, Wolves then Dave where do you reckon they're going to finish? Um, I've gone for 13th just because I don't know so there's so many there's so many unknowns um, I've, I've gone for 13th I don't think they're in any serious trouble but you know as I say, if, if Jimenez got a, another serious injury um, or missed any sort of great period of, of the season um, I, I think that will look a lot dicier for them but I think with a goal scorer you should always be alright Simon? Um, I've got them in the 11th for some reason, and I don't know why, because I, I don't think they will finish there. But as I say, I've just drawn this 1-20 to 20 table up on my phone now, and that was the only space that was left. <laughs> so, yeah, Honestly, like, you don't, that's very similar to what's happened with me. Um, <laughs> what, all it's taught me is that like, the bottom half of the table is such a much of a muchness. Like, yeah. I feel like I've done need to service putting them 12th because they're miles better than half of these clubs I've got in. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> if you feel from 10th down you wouldn't be surprised if anybody was in those positions no exactly I, I think other than the top 6 which will generously probably include Spurs as a certainty in the top yeah. 6 um, I think even West Ham yeah. and Arsenal who I've got higher up you wouldn't even be surprised they fell away because of West Ham's European commitments and Arsenal being insane so yeah no, I completely agree. Um, next game up, newly promoted Watford. That's newly promoted Watford. <laughs> three. Um, Jack Grealish lists after Villa two. Simon, first game without your boy. Um, all new signings played, I believe. Um, and a 3 2 loss. Um, I was listening to the Villa podcast and they, they weren't complimentary about something. <laughs> um, I mean, your thoughts on the game? Oh, God, <laughs> it was not, not the start we wanted. Um, yeah, just the, the first half absolutely killed us. I mean, I've, I've only seen sort of brief little highlights of it, but um, it was just just absolutely had nothing. I mean, Dean Smith said afterwards that he was pretty livid with them, that he felt like an international friendly, the way we were playing in that first half. Um, I mean, not all the signings, started, Bailey was on the bench because I, mean, I think he was playing in some international competition this summer and so he only arrived at the training ground on Friday uh, and then so we start, you know, we start with El, El Ghazi and Ashley Young as the wingers which I'm fairly confident will not be the case for the majority of the season <laughs> but 
but it's sort of a, a needs must. You know, Watkins pulled, uh, got injured a couple of days before in training. As I say, Bailey isn't quite match ready yet. Triore uh, had an operation during the summer, so he wasn't match fit yet. Dempsey came on in the second half, and we looked a lot better then. But um, no, we just, I say, we just didn't turn up in the first half. And I think the biggest problem where we've got at the moment is the middle of the pitch. So we've got a lot of midfielders on the books. But they're all fairly similar to each other. We really need like just a big nasty fucker in the middle who who looks like he loves heading bricks. Like, that's the type of midfielder we need. Um, but whether we're going to get one or not, I'm not sure. So disappointing. Good for Danny Ings to get off the mark, I suppose. And McGinn scored a lovely goal, and I think that's the best I can come up with for, <laughs> for how we were. Yeah, I mean, Dave on Watford, like let's not take anything away from them as well, but. They got Villa at the right time, you know, new signings, first one yeah. with Grealish, first game of the season, but they did start off really well, the new signing getting a goal, Saar kind of, I don't know if you could say proven, proven anything, but obviously he's, he's been highly talked about in the last couple of years since they went down. Yeah, Saar's very good. Um, I was amazed looking at his Watford team, how many of the sort of class of their last relegation stuck around and are still there, stinking the place up, but um, I don't know, that they seem a bit less naive um, all of a sudden um, as you say Sar was the difference I mean poor Matt Target was absolutely torn to shreds but um, I think it was a, a good bit of analysis where Villa have always thrown their fullbacks forward in the last season or so but when Grealish had the ball he you know, didn't generally lose it um, whereas this time possession was turned over too often in the final third and obviously with players out of position against people like Sar you're not going to catch him. <laughs> like, you know, Matt Target or anybody, you're not going to catch Saar at full pace. So um, I can kind of see how it happened. Um, as Saar says, Villa are missing too many players at the, at the moment and clubs have come up the first home game. Fans, the players are rocking. Um, if they got to a good start, which they did, it was it was always going to be hard to come back from that. So um, I don't know whether I've just been sucked in by Watford, but I've got them as a like comfortable mid-table. It's 14. <laughs> um, they've got like, this Dennis they've signed again from, from Bruges. Like, he looks like a Premier League player. And I know it's a stupid thing to say because he is a Premier League player, but you know what I mean? Like, he, he, he looks like he's got all the attributes to play up front. Like, he's the type of player that um, usually, you know, some other nice plucks and signs to play like, up front for whoever he's managing in a relegation squad. Yeah. He looks like he's, he's, he's the type of player you want to play in for you when, you, when you're a newly promoted club. Um, so, yeah, maybe I'm just being naive because I've just seen Watford you know, play pretty well. But um, at the same time, there's still a Capaselli at the back somehow three, <laughs> years, three years on or whatever it is from their, their previous relegation. So um, maybe they'll concede a few, but they look capable of scoring quite a few as well. Yeah, I did wonder why there were so many players still there as well. Dave, and it's because Watford didn't include any release clauses or relegation wage cuts, so every single player is on their Premier League wage, and <laughs> no one wanted to leave because they knew they wouldn't get it anywhere else. Well, well some some of them they like they farmed out to like their other clubs like Udinese yeah. and that, so they've just been like sitting there for a couple of years whilst Watford have been in the Championship, and now it's like, well, welcome back. <laughs> so. the, the boy Hernandez who scored the the third. Yes, uh, has been a Watford player since 2017. That was his first appearance. 
So uh, it's fun what you learn when you speak to like opposition fans and you get to, to know that yeah he's he was signed from Granada and he's just been pumped out on loan. Uh, isn't Granada another one of those clubs in the old little cartel? They used to be. They're not anymore, but they were when they signed up. Yeah, That's so the dodgy signing sell the club and carry on. Um, Simon, where do you reckon Watford's going to finish? See, I had them at the start of the season for relegation. Uh, down in 19th. Uh, I mean, obviously, they had a very good start yesterday. I just kind of think they're such a batshit crazy club that (laughs) it wouldn't surprise you if the manager won the first sort of four or five games of the season and they just sack him because, you know, they're quite happy to sack a manager once he's gained promotion for them before, you know, (laughs) before the dust has even settled. So, uh, yeah, I'll I'll go for 19th. It'd be interesting if they keep hold of Saar. I must admit, I was surprised they kept him when they went down. And I'm surprised no one's come in for him yet. And, you know, with the windows still a couple of weeks, there could still be a chance someone might come in for him, especially if he starts the first couple of games well before the window shuts. Yeah, well, Liverpool almost signed Saar last year, but got Jota cheaper. Um, that's the only reason that they pulled out. They just couldn't get a, couldn't get a fee for him, so they went the Jota route. Um, Simon, I'll just stick with you for Villa. Where do you think you're going to finish? Uh, so the preview pod that we did, I was optimistically said seventh. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm going to stick with that because I do think, you know, despite the loss of Greenish, that, you know, like I said on that pod, we have strengthened the squad overall. I think it's got a lot more balance to it. And once everyone's sort of up to speed and uh, they get used to each other and gel, yeah, I'm going to be positive and go seventh. Yeah, seven for me too, because I think there'll be a couple more signings as well. Uh, Dave Villa for you? Uh, I've, st- I've stayed with 10th for Villa. Um, I think we've seen before when clubs sell players for mega money and go and buy five or six replacements. Um, if they're not as good as the player they've replaced, then it you know doesn't always work out that well. So I'm going to stick with 10th for now. That's fair. And then last up for the day, we had Norwich City at home to Liverpool. Liverpool are, are fairly convincing. We know when um, Jota, Bobby Firmino and Salah were, were a lovely finish at the end. Um, just very straightforward this one, Dave. There was not really not really much anything right. I mean, Alisson did make a good triple save, but maybe huh. really that was solely on that it yeah. didn't matter. No, that's it. You thoroughly deserved to win. And I think once you got that first one, it just sat everybody down. Um Norwich obviously playing their first game back in the Premier League for a while and they had a go at the start but they never really had anything threatening um, and you, you, it, this was it looked a bit more like the Liverpool of you know a couple of years ago um, quite quite clinical when you needed it to be and pretty much in control even without your first choice midfield pretty much any of your first choice midfield yeah <laughs> um, I think five year old James <laughs> yeah, he did. I mean, the, ask what do you think of the um, the young lad who replaced Robertson, Ali, the Greek lad? Do you think he was any good? I mean, he, he surprised me in how good his delivery was. He took a few corners yeah. quite early on. I, I, I've watched him quite like well, just highlights in preseason, and he's been very good. Um, he was good last season in preseason as well. So I was kind of taking it with a pinch of salt, but I do believe he's more than competent enough. If we lost Robertson for a for a period of time that he can do a job, maybe not to the same intensity as like the Robertson's just full energetic, but he's a slightly different type of player, you know, he's not bombing bombing on, but as you say, his delivery's very good, he's passing I, I think his passing's good, and I think the, the, the gel 
like the more he plays, obviously. Yeah, I, well, I was just I was surprised by how good he was, considering he barely had a barely had a kick um, for a couple of years, really. But uh, no, he seems more than capable of filling in. Um, not brilliant by any means, but you know, not not a disaster. So at least he's an option for you. Yeah, no, solid enough backup. I mean, the, the most positive thing for me is uh, I'm happy Naby played. Um, I think if we can get him fit for the majority of the season, I think we've, we're laughing. Obviously, it was very strange Fabinho not playing, um, especially the fact that Van Dijk played. Uh, I'm delighted that Jota started over over Firmino. Um, I would like Manny to actually remember he's a footballer. Um, but just having Van Dijk back in the team um, and young Elliot getting to come off the bench as well and getting some minutes was was fantastic for me. Um, I mean, Norwich for yourself, Simon. Anything you've seen in them? That gives them gives them hope, and it's, it's a hard tie. They're, they're playing as Liverpool first game of the season. Yeah, hard to read into it. But I mean, do you see much going forward? I I don't, to be honest. I mean, as you say, it's not a nice fixture to start with, and I, I swear every time Liverpool play Norwich, they always seem to absolutely batter them. So <laughs> they must have been uh, delighted to see that come out to start the season with. But no, nah, I mean, yeah, I think it'd be pretty similar to how they were last time in the Premiership. You know, they'll, they'll get a few plaudits for playing nice football or, or trying to play nice football. But if Team Ipuki wasn't good enough to find the goals to keep them up last time they were up, I'd see how two years later he's still going to be the answer. Uh, I mean, it's as you say, it's difficult to really judge because you know, they're not going to be competing anywhere near Liverpool's level. But they just they never seem to really sign anyone. I mean, apart from that, Rashid's uh, who we were linked with for the last couple of years. Um, they, you know, they, they they sell people for big money, like they've obviously done with Brendan this summer. But they don't. They never really gamble. I think on on trying to stay up in the Premier League. I think they're happy to just go up and down. So yeah, I think they'll they'll do they'll play nice football. But I, I've got them finishing rock bottom. Rock bottom for you, Dave. Any higher for you? Nope, I've got them in twentieth as well. Um... I know they've got, as you say, Rashika and um, Sargent have just signed this week, who came on, I think, for the last 10 minutes. Um, but both are unproven at Premier League level. They, they, they might do well, they also might not. Um, as well with Norwich, the, the, the fixture computer has done them no favours whatsoever. I think <laughs> their first four or five games are a nightmare, and I think for a club who's expected a battle relegation to find themselves probably bottom, or at least in the bottom three after four or five games, it's very hard to come back from that, isn't it? And try and build any momentum when you've had such a rough start. So, unless they pull off some unbelievable wins the next few weeks, um, I think it might be a long, hard season for them. And Liverpool, I assume by your conversation earlier, you're going fourth. I am. Um, again, you may sign three or four players in, in the next few weeks, which will change my opinion. But right now, you're going into um, what's going to be January without Salah and Mane because they're both going to be African Nations Cup. Um, and you know Harvey Elliott looks like a good prospect, but you know can you rely on him for a couple of weeks? Possibly, possibly not. Um, plus, I think if you get any injuries to that, that those strikers, there's not an awful lot coming in in reserve, um, and that's where you need to strengthen you've, you've, your defence. You've, you've kind of got that sorted now. You've got Canardi in who didn't play. You've got you know four good centre backs. You've got a couple of good full backs, obviously. Um, 
midfield options, you've pretty much got six in there for three places, which is good, but I think you're just lacking an extra forward. Yeah, um, I disagree, but it's okay. Simon, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so fourth again, let's take it. Yeah, for, for pretty much the same reasons. I, I think you'll be a lot more comfortable in fourth this season than last season. But as things stand, I've got you fourth. But, but, uh, oh, God, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but uh, no, as it stands, fourth. But, you know, there's, there's still a few weeks left to go in the window. So I suppose wait and see what happens. Yeah, well, well no surprise. I've got us in first. Uh, I mean, so what's your, what's your thinking now? Is it behind that? I mean, obviously, just, hell of a, yeah, hell of a shift in. Yeah, first first eleven. I do believe we've got the best eleven in the league. Um, I just I, it, obviously it's massive that players stay fit, um, but I do believe other eleven, and that's all I'm hoping on. I I, I agree with both of you. We need to strengthen. Um, I would like a certain midfielder um, to replace the ghost at left, um, and I think I do need a forward like a. I don't, like a, a mini Salamani, like a one that could play either wing and through the middle type one, would that make sense? Well, I know that like, Jared Bowen was mentioned as an option. Um, yeah, I hope not. I'm sorry. But <laughs> well, I mean, that's the type of positional player you're looking for, but I think he's, he's probably not a Liverpool player, is he? I mean, he played pretty well today against us, but um, I don't think he's at the level to be playing Champions League football, potentially. So. There's, the the big rumours for Liverpool is I think me and you spoke about it, Dave, just off pod when we were in Saul from Atletico Madrid is oh, yes. very, yep. very close. Um and the last I heard for a forward, whether it's true or not, is now I'm trying to remember his name, is it Kesa? Casey, who played on the wing for Italy in the in the Euros. Um, but I think there's there's confusion over the ownership or something with that one. It sounds like a st- st- <laughs> standard, <laughs> standard, standard yeah. Italian fair, yes. I think yeah. they, did they buy him from Fiorentina, I want to say. Something then, like that, yeah. So yeah. there's a bit of confusion, but those are the two that are strongly linked at the moment. But Sale's meant to be, or Sale, however you pronounce it, it's meant to be pretty much a, a certainty, uh, which will obviously add quality in the midfield and obviously we had Thiago to come back as well he wasn't even in the squad for yesterday so it's always a bonus um, we'll move on to Sunday's games today's games as we as we speak and um, we start off with your team Dave 4-2 mm-hmm. defeat obviously to West Ham disappointing result in the end but goals at, in both ends yeah probably a great game for the neutral but um, as soon as I saw the teams announced I had Worries about this because for some reason he, he played possibly, you know, we've got five or six centre backs and he picked two of the worst ones to play here. Like, you know, <laughs> he's left the club captain Lascelles on the bench, which even from like a leadership point of view, I thought that was silly. Um, and, and Fabian Cher, who I, you know, I spoke about on the preview pod, has been. A class above on his day. Um, not only can he defend, but he can also plough from the back. Certainly in a three, I don't like him in a two at all because he's slow. But in a three, it kind of covers off his his, his, uh, his weaknesses. Um, Emil Kraft is barely a defender, let alone a centre back. And you know, Kieran Clark is, is functional, but you know, he was he was poor in that Villa team that finished bottom about five years ago. Um, he shouldn't really be starting at Premier League level in uh, in 2021, but here we are. So. 
as soon as I saw the defence, I thought this might be difficult. And to be fair to West Ham, you know that they they played us very well. They, they've got a front four who were interchanging. They were full of movement. They were full of guile, and we we, we just couldn't cope with it. And although we went in at half time two one up, I think both teams had had some like ten shots, um, and it was kind of like a two heavyweight boxers going to each other, and we were tired very quickly in the second half and, and West Ham scored three and I think it was 13 minutes and that was that. Was that. Um, I don't think it was a penalty for what ended up being 3-2, was that? Um, although the keeper saved it and they scored the rebound, but I haven't seen the replay. I think Murphy plays the ball. Uh, I think Fornals knows that because he tries to play the ball on the deck rather than appeal. Um, I'm astounded they looked at it on VAR and didn't go, well, actually he's played the ball, but... Uh, that's I don't know it seems a bit odd but um, yeah we can have no complaints because our second half performance was poor I suppose the positives you'd say well St Maximin and Wilson looked good when they, when they were able to get the ball um, Joe Wilkes still to come back into the team which is great but um, we looked very very open um, Matt Ritchie had an awful game at left wing back um, I've seen a, a clip tonight of he was at fault for three of the four goals which is impressive so Good for him. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot to work on. But uh, I was impressed with West Ham. I don't want to take too much away from them because they scored some good goals and, and you know they they played they played well. They, they came and came to attack us, and a lot of teams will sit in and try and nick a goal on their way from home. But West Ham came at us pretty much from the off, um, and I don't know how they'll get on when they start in Europe because I think that will have an effect on the, on the, the score that performs us, but. Until that starts, I think they'll be alright. Yeah, it's, I mean, Simon, for yourself, what's on the game? And then, have you given me your prediction for Newcastle first? Um, as Dave said, it was a really entertaining game. Uh, I kind of, I, I expected West Ham to win, but not in the way they did it. I, I thought they'd be, I thought they'd have thought it, like, controlled it for most of the game. But Newcastle first half, to be fair, really had to go at them. Um, St. Maximum is such an impressive player and they, the key is keeping him and Wilson fit. If them to stay fit all season, I think Newcastle will have a relatively comfortable season compared to the one they had last year. Uh, but if, if they, then one of them two or both of them got injured, be slightly concerned, I think. And West Ham did really well again. You know, they um, had a good season last year pretty much on the front front today, really went for it. So I think they'll have a I think they'll have a good season but not as good as they did last year. But I've got West Ham finishing below the mighty villa in eighth. Cool. Uh, Dave West Ham for you? I've got them a seventh again. Um well not again, I suppose they were six last year, but yeah again, probably a bit biased. I've just seen them today, but I've just read that it looks like Lingard's going back there which um, gives them another option and I think having Ben Rama up to speed is going to make all the difference because he was he was very good today again um, my worry for them is if Antonio gets injured because they literally have nobody else but um, he he's a handful like, to say the least so, you know if uh, if they keep him fit he you know West Ham will be very very good again yeah if he stayed fit he wouldn't he wouldn't be there would he he's, he's just it's one of those he probably is too good for them but to go to the next level he needs a bit more Consistency and, and appearances. It just, it just, seems, just seems mad that Slavin Bilic thought Antonio was going to make a great right back. <laughs> 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 it, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, he fought a lot of things, to be fair. Um, well, where are you predicting Newcastle, Dave? Um, I've, I've got us 11th, and I really don't know why. Like I, Again, I was kind of like process of elimination. Again, it's a, it's a total disservice to Leeds, who will not finish below us, but um, that's the problem with not planning ahead. So, yeah, 11th, um, even though we can't defend, and our two best players are made of glass. So. <laughs> Uh, Simon, I assume 13th. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, I've got them in 17th purely again, a bit mis- miscalculation when I'm trying to piece it together. But <laughs> I think, as we say, Dave, anyone from. I should, I should probably spurs down. <laughs> like the whole uh, well, I, I saw a quote from Steve Bruce in the week where he said we should be pushing for Europe this year, which is a very nice thought. Jesus. Uh, but. <laughs> I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna save that because when we're seventeenth in, in February we'd be like, Well, you know, aim is to stay up. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's the problem. Like, as well, my, as I said on the preview pod, my, my opinion of him is not gonna change. He's a he's a charlatan of a manager. And uh, <laughs> if he was to leave tomorrow you know, and someone competent came in, we we could actually finish eleventh. When he's there, um I'd be very surprised if we finished that high up. But that's what we've gone with. So let's just see how it goes. Yeah, no, I think yeah, you might have the worst manager in the league. Um, I've got West Ham in 14. Um, I just think they're going to come crashing down. They rely too much on Antonio. Um, they did say, although you're saying that they're linked again with Lingard again, the the chap on my preview show who had West Ham reckoned that he, he was going to go back, sign a new contract with Man United, um, not get a game in the first two or three games, Realised that and then come back to West Ham on loan. So it looks <laughs> looks like he's kind of getting his way there. Um, last game of the weekend was Spurs 1 City 0. Now, for me, this result was almost written in the stars, like <laughs> after the saga over the whole Kane thing. The only difference for me, it wasn't Kane that got the winning goal, um, but <laughs> it was Sun and a awful, awful defending from Man City. Dave. Yeah. It wasn't great, was it? Um, you sound like Alan Hansen there. It was nice to, <laughs> yeah, nice to be thrown back to my youth. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I really didn't know what to make of Spurs this season under, under Nuno, um, especially without Harry Kane, whether he stays or whether he goes. Um, I, I was kind of expecting to lose today. Um, Man City were bang average. I mean, it goes out saying that they need a centre-forward. <laughs> if it's not going to be Harry Kane... If they don't get someone else instead of them, I feel like it's impossible to retain that title like, with what's going on around them. Um, I just, without, I mean, Gabriel Jesus has, has played there many times over the years, but they're never really convinced, um, despite having, you know, some of the best players around them. Um, it'll make a huge difference when De Bruyne is fully fit, but still, they need a, a focal point, they need a centre forward. Um, but taking off away from Spurs, they, they stuck at it. Um, they, they, they got their goal through Son, who I thought had been very sort of ponderous before that. He got himself in a few good positions, and then either like not shot or not crossed, or seemed to just not have any clarity in his decisions. But obviously, took his goal very well. Um, and he is almost every bit as important as Kane. I think that they miss him just as much when he's not playing. So him signing your contract should at least keep them up in the top six, regardless of what happens with Kane. I think. Yeah, Simon. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought City started the game really well, actually. Sort of first 15, 20 minutes, I was thinking, oh, you know, they're, they're tearing them apart here. But Spurs sort of grew into it a bit. I thought um, 
the young right back, Tang Tanganga. Yeah. Um, I thought he had a really good game. He's considering he's up against Sterling and Grealish, and he's you know he's a young lad. It's quite a tough task, but he was really aggressive with the pair of them. And then the second half, I, I thought Tottenham were outstanding in that second half. They they pressed City quite well when when they needed to, but they dropped deep. They got in their faces, made it difficult for them, and had a couple of half decent chances as well on the counter attack to increase their lead. So I was uh, I was a bit surprised because I thought with everything you know the whole Harry Kane thing and the way the game started, I kind of thought this this is not going to be pretty for Tottenham, but they thoroughly deserve their victory. So a fair play to them. Yeah, the one thing I'll add on in City just in general is actually I can't say it without just being really petty, but it, how much money they've spent in the last and we're talking they need to spend 150 million to solve their problems. Like this is this is scary. Um, but on on Spurs, if you're Daniel Levy, Dave. Um, which is a horrible thought. Nobody oh, but no. is that a bit, what? What do you do with Kane now? If, if City are serious about wanting him, I think they've got. To, first, they've got to make a decision quickly because they, what they don't want to happen is they get down the last couple of days and then have to scramble around trying to replace them. Um, there's no doubt Spurs. Uh, City have got the money to pay whatever Spurs want from. I know they'll say they want to pay a certain price, but fundamentally they haven't got a, a leg to stand on because we, everyone knows they've got bottomless pit of reserves, basically. So I don't, think the, I don't think the price is an issue. I think it comes down purely to whether whether Levy's just going to fall on his sword and actually sell him or whether he's going to risk you know, upsetting Harry Kane. I think the problem they're going to have is that Kane isn't going to want to down tools and not play for a season because that doesn't help anybody. Um, I think Levy knows that Kane won't want to, you know, upset the fans and leave on a bad turn because he obviously does generally like Spurs. He's been there for a long time, owes them an awful lot. Um, so I think Levy holds all the cards, and I think fundamentally he always seems to get what he wants. I know they've got this, this supposed gentleman's agreement that he'd let him go, but it, you know that means nothing. Like I think I don't think Danny Levy is a gentleman. He's got a soul, so I don't, <laughs> think, I, I, I don't think that really matters to him. So. Um, I think Kane will still be a Spurs player come September the 1st. Uh, same question to you then, Simon. I disagree. I think he'll be a City player. I, I think he was quite telling that he wasn't even on the bench today. Um, and I just, I, I can't see City going into this season without a striker. Well, have, I was, having said that, this is Pep Guardiola we're talking about and he he likes to do a few mental things from time to time, but um, I I I wouldn't be surprised. I I'd be very surprised if he's not a Man City player from the end of this transfer window. I think you, you say that he he wouldn't want to upset the Spurs fans and he'd be professional, but I mean he didn't turn up to training, did he? So I I don't think he's I I think he'd be quite happy to try and force a move through here. Well, he said he was never meant to be there, and but it sounded like he was backtracking a bit on his statement, where he was like, you know, I'll be, I'll be <laughs> a train next week, as always was planned. Now, I don't necessarily believe that, because I think there's obviously something going on. And I thought it was very odd when Nuno said he hadn't even spoke to Kane about it, despite having been the manager for a month by that point. I thought, well, you know, Kane's... <laughs> he might not be the captain, but he's, he's, the, he's the poster boy of Tottenham, isn't he? Like, everything goes through him. Um, 
So I thought that was a bit odd. Um, I hope he goes in many ways because I think he's almost irreplaceable. I know they're trying to get Martinez from Inter Milan. Um, and I wonder if that's part of it where, you know, if Kane goes and everyone knows they've got this £150 million burning a hole in the pocket and all of a sudden the prices are, are more than, than, than they might be. So there's probably an element of that. But um, as I said, they've, they've got to decide quickly because otherwise it's going to come down the last few days and it's going to be an absolute mad scramble for everyone to get what they want. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think he'll still be a sports player at the end of it. Um, purely on the basis, I'm not sure how much more City can really spend without trying to sell somebody and make it look like they're not cheating. <laughs> they need to buy and sell somebody and make this seem credible. Well, uh, it's, it's thing though, cause who can afford to buy their players? Like, like Bernardo Silva, who they're trying to flog. Like, who's going to pay 70 million, 60 million, whatever it is? There's not that many clubs out there who, who've got that money at the minute. Yeah, and none that they would sell to, you know, so like a team like Chelsea or or Liverpool or United, they're not going to sell to those clubs. Well, when you think that basically the arse has dropped out of Barca, Real Madrid, and yeah. Milan, you know, <laughs> these, these massive clubs around Europe have fallen, fallen apart, the seams, and it's like, well, if you're not going to sell to a fellow top, you know, a fellow Premier League club, um, you're, unless, you know, Bayern are going to go and buy them. Um, you, you know, PSG have obviously got their hands full now. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's only a limited certain number of clubs who are going to buy these players. So yeah, I'd be. I think they're going to struggle to sell them. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, that brings us to the the end of the roundup. Um, again, slightly longer than we planned to for the rest of the season. We will cut it down. But thought it was good to cover all teams there, and then I got the prediction from the boys. I assume you've gone City second and Spurs fifth. Yeah. Fifth and sixth for the two years. Oh, I've got Spurs sixth, yeah, and, and, and City second, but, um, yeah, if Kane goes, it might be a bit different. So, uh, oh, you think maybe slightly lower if Kane goes? <laughs> uh, oh, I meant more for City. They, they might, oh, right, they, yeah. They, they might be top. Um, Spurs, obviously, I'm, let's assume they replace Harry Kane. Um, they'll, they'll should be out for the top six, I think. Yeah. Well, again, as I say, that brings us to the end of that one. And you will be pleased to know at home, we have done away with the betting segment because we are terrible. Um, so it's just hard to try and figure out how much negative equity we were in, especially Simon, who didn't win at all. Nice. Um, so we have just decided to go with predictions, which can't see going any better, but at least we get some amount of points a week. So we're going to use the Super 6 app, um, so if everybody can download that. I will tweet out the code um, for the league. So, have both you boys got the the app? Yep. Yes. Right. So, have you made your predictions for the Tuesday game, which I believe is the first ones? Uh, yes. Yeah. Right, Dave. If you could give me your predictions for the sure. first six games. Okay. So we've got Millwall one, Fulham two. Uh, we've got Swansea one, Stoke nil. Uh, Barnsley 2, Luton 2, uh, Peterborough 0, Cardiff 2, Huddersfield 0, Preston 1, and Blackpool 2, Coventry 1. Uh, Simon? Uh, so true to form from last year, there's a few similar results that we've got here. <laughs> so I've got Fulham 2-0 against Millwall. I've got Swansea 2, Stoke 1, Barnsley 1, Luton 1, Peterborough 0, Cardiff 2. Huddersfield nil, Preston one, and Blackpool two, Coventry one. I'm I'm beginning to wonder that I've totally <laughs> underestimated Peter probably good then because I've um, 
I've gone Fulham 2-1 against Millwall, uh, Swansea 2-0 against Stoke, Farnsley Luton to draw 1-1, Peterborough 2-0 against Cardiff, um, Huddersfield 2, Preston 1, and Blackpool 1, Coventry 1. Um, knew nothing about it, so I just guessed, as always. Um, <laughs> the league code for our league, for anybody at home who would like to join and just come and have a bit of a competition with us, it is E4WSNK. Um, I will tweet the link out when the podcast comes out. Um, so as you're listening to this, the, the code will be there. So come and join. Um, try and not... Dave seems to be the best one at all these online predictions. Fantasy football just runs away with some sort of code. So yeah, come, come and knock us off our perch. <laughs> um, well, chaps, that brings us to the end. Anything to add on the, the first week of the Premier League? Great to see fans back in the stadium again. Just, yeah. I, I can't, cannot wait to uh, get to Villa Park next Saturday. Oh yeah, it's the um, it's the first L review call of the season next Saturday. <laughs> uh, early this time. We're off to Villa Park, um, so hopefully we're sitting here next week talking about. Well, I'm not going to say any other wings. That's insane. So let's say <laughs> it was a competitive draw. <laughs> Competitive draw, I like it. Dave has set the standards high already. Right, Dave, let everybody know where they can find you and anything that you're working on. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at cm9798, uh, and the website is cm9798.co.uk. Uh, the blogs are back uh, seven days a week. We've got contributions from our own Ross, uh, as well as um, five other lads who work very hard on the site. So check that out if you like your old school championship manager. Yeah, and Simon, same for yourself. Uh, yes, yeah, so on Twitter, it's at Vegan, And for any Villa fans, you can hear me on the Holtcast podcast and read my thoughts on the games on the website 7500toholts.com. And you can find us at Man and Post on all your social, social media platforms. Um, please rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast, at Man and Post on all of them. If, if you can find a podcast, we will be there. Um, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure hearing your voices again, um, and I look forward to it every week again. Thank you. Cheers, Ali. Good to be back. Thank you for listening, and always remember, keep your man in the post.